This week, we're joined by Adi, the head of CX of Sub-Saharan Africa at Uber, to have a convo about regional CX, importance of design thinking, and CX awards. Adi, do you want to give us a quick intro? Sure. Um, hello, everyone. I am Adi. I'm a customer experience strategist, I like to think of myself. Um, I am super committed to human-centered design and human-centered change. Um, and so I champion insights, um, insights-driven communication, and that's in all facets, operational excellence, and then just like service design. Um, I have worked um, for over 14 years in multiple industries um, on three continents, I think it is. Um, and so have had the pleasure of learning um, what to do and what not to do. Um, when it comes to customer engagement. I love it. And we'll definitely, we'll definitely jump into some of the things that you should do that you shouldn't do. But before we do that, I want to throw you into the deep end and jump into the pitch, your CX pitch. So let me give you a hypothetical and then I'll give you 30 seconds to make your elevator pitch. Imagine you're the head of customer experience in a boardroom meeting at a company that is about to launch their operations into Sub-Saharan Africa. In the 30-second elevator pitch, could you tell me what's the most important thing to keep in mind to ensure excellent customer experience? Now, let me start the timer for you. Three, two, one, go. Okay, quick question. I would ask, what do we know about the countries that we're going into? A continent is a land of many countries. So we need to understand that one country needs one approach. We need to make sure that we're in there for the long run. We need to make sure that we build a local connection. We need to make sure that we're developing local talent um, and that we're making sure that we are paying attention to the triple bottom line in order to be successful in the long run. Ooh, one second to go. spare. <laughs> there you go. You got it. <laughs> Woo, that was a lot. Mm -hmm. I yeah, don't even yeah. know if I made sense. Did I make sense? You, you, you did. I think one of the things that actually stood out to me is you mentioned the triple bottom line. I'm not, yeah. I'm not familiar with that term. Could you maybe touch on that a little bit? So it comes from, um, well, Mervyn King, who kind of um, was a big Supreme Justice um, judge in South mm -hmm. Africa, understood that the importance of governance in corporate South Africa was not taken seriously. And so what he did was he developed or wrote the King Report. And the King Report required for um, businesses to think through their not just governance, but also their responsibility from a social standpoint, an environmental standpoint, a development standpoint, and a governance standpoint. So it's more, more so a risk and, and governance framework that has evolved into something else. So he started it in South Africa and then it kind of moved to the UK. And you'll see when companies report now, they report on ESG, mm -hmm. which is environmental, social, and um, governance. Yep. When they do like their, proper reporting to the board and yeah. so forth. And so that in itself is just making sure that you're covering be, um, covering your impact mm -hmm. beyond profit. Yeah. yeah, You're looking at it a lot more broadly. Right, interesting, I love that. See, that's the beauty of a good elevator pitch though, right? There's so many layers to it, so I think. <laughs> that was, I mean, it was really tough, 30 seconds to talk <laughs> about CX to individuals who don't oh, yeah. know much about CX. <laughs> CX sales, right? Um, I definitely want to find out more about kind of um, some of the stories that you have behind, you know, um, localizing CX and, and what you've seen from your experience. But before we jump into that, I'd love to just touch on you, on your uh, personal story as well and find out um, 
essentially what got you into CX? I'm curious to hear more about that. It definitely was not intentional. I'll say that. Mm -hmm. um, it was definitely by accident. So when I started my formal career, and I say formal career because when I worked in the UK, I was doing what was called then internet marketing, which right. is now digital marketing, but this is back in the day. So <laughs> formal career is um, I started at an investment bank, um, a private bank called Investec, and they were incredibly, incredibly committed to building great relationships with their customers. And so I will never forget it. Like this is something that they indoctrinate you with is like, you need to break China in a break China for your clients. Like, I don't care how important the special <laughs> China is. Like that's what you're going to do for mm. your, your clients or customers. And so I was almost raised in, when, when it comes to kind of thinking about business and thinking about customers in that way. And that to me, what I found, I found that that approach and that consistent approach when it came to product pricing, um, engagement, every every facet of the business, um, it was so, so deeply entrenched that they created these long lasting, they call it cradle to grave, I shouldn't give too much, but they call it cradle to grave relationships where yeah. it's lasting relationships that they create with their customers. And so having this be, being um, my foundation, mm -hmm. I thought, goodness, how do I replicate this elsewhere? Because yep. not all of us have massive net worths with a massive balance sheet. Not all of us yep, yep. will have the benefit of, of that service. So how do we take this and make it more local? Hmm. Um, and in thinking about that was like, well, what can I do within my day-to-day -day capacity to um, take that approach and make it more operational? Mm -hmm. um, I then moved on to a bigger financial services um, provider, which is Old Mutual. And yep. there I had the opportunity to focus on the bottom end, so lower, lower LSMs. So uh, it was this massive shift from like high value clients to mm -hmm. just normal man in the street people. Yep. Now, how do we take this thinking of this um, upper echelon bespoke experience mm -hmm. to just the man in the street? And that's kind of how I got into engagement and thinking about how to best engage, but for, with a long-term view. How yeah, do we build yeah. these relationships um, in these low-touch instances mm -hmm. um, and, and hope that they have these impact uh, or the same impact for a number of years? So how do we build processes, systems, yeah, products yeah. Um, that incorporate that thinking? And so that's kind of how I got here. <laughs> Um, and you've really been a love with CX ever since, right? <laughs> it, yes. And I probably will be for the rest of my life because I'm super, super passionate about it. It's not just lip service. It's a real, real thing for me. I love yeah. that. I love that. And so, you know, with that in mind, I'm sure you've come across uh, other companies and other, other people as well who, who don't necessarily have the same approach to CX that might, you know, irk you a little bit, <laughs> right? And especially, especially when it comes to trying to localize that CX, trying to localize a product, a service. Um, so I'd love for you to touch on maybe some, some, some stories and some examples that you've seen of companies, um, you know, trying to adapt their business models into Sub-Saharan Africa and then the results um, of that. So <clears throat> I thought about this and I think up until maybe four to five years ago, 
Um, the continent of Africa and doing business in sub-Saharan Africa was a really scary thing for many mm -hmm. businesses. And so I remember being in financial services and they would be like, oh, it's the next big thing. Like, go to Africa. Let's invest in Africa. Mm -hmm. um, a whole continent that's super diverse. Not a great way to start. Yeah. But everyone was really scared because it was uncharted territory. Mm -hmm. the, re the reality is that, you know, we're on a continent that struggles with infrastructure, mm -hmm. right? We struggle with, um, you know, poverty. Yeah. We struggle with basic needs that most people in the first world or developed world kind of take for granted. You mm -hmm. know, that's something that individuals here like, have to work at, have to think about, have to figure out solutions. Yep. Yep. So my favorite example is Jumia. Mm -hmm. So Jumia is probably the biggest e-commerce um, company yep. in Sub-Saharan yep. Africa, right? And they've done an incredible job of localizing their store, mm -hmm. um, their processes to every single country that they operate in. Mm -hmm. So if you look at, at Jumia in Uganda, you're going to look at a very different picture in Ghana and a very different picture in Kenya yep. because they've looked at what the need is in the market and they've adjusted their processes, product lines, promos everything mm -hmm. according to what meets that um that market yeah. and i think that they're a strong content and a strong um, example of what good just customer thinking customer strategy mm -hmm. looks mm -hmm. like i love that thanks for thanks for sharing that example let's look at design thinking i know that's that was a, that was a big key of your introduction as well and it's it's something that you kind of champion a lot in your, in your profile and your experiences could you maybe touch on the role that design thinking plays in today's customer experience? You can't have a thought out intentional design of an experience without understanding that humans are the one that need to use this product or process. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that you should do it. Now, is it possible? Of course. You can absolutely design something and launch it and hope that it's going to be a success. And it may do, it may do Fingers for a crossed, short right? period of time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're just like, hey, let's hope for the best. Yeah. But the reality is if you're intentional about what it is that you're hoping to achieve, mm -hmm. your returns will be immeasurably more than if you're throwing an unknown or throwing a product and saying, hey, build it, they'll come. Yep. You don't know what that success looks like. Yep. So the importance of, I think, design thinking is not just from the practice of kind of um, understanding the perspective of where someone comes from and then developing, you know, a product or a process for, for those people mm -hmm. um, and kind of spitting out a prototype. But I think the, the beauty is that you understand what it starts with. Yep. What it starts with is empathy. Yeah. That's what it starts with. Now the challenge is if you don't have a high EQ as an individual and you're a designer, you're mm -hmm. challenged. Yeah. If you are putting together a product or your product manager and you don't understand um, empathy and how um, emotional intelligence works, you're also going to be challenged. Mm -hmm. So I think that the beauty of design thinking is in that, yeah. the empathy, the first step. Yeah. And then the other the other thing that really makes design thinking really magical is the iteration. Mm. Yeah. So you can have the empathy design, spit out a prototype and you can test it. Yeah. Now the test is going to go really well. It could go really trash. 
Yeah, you need to have an answer for when things don't go the way that you hope for it to go. Mm. And the beauty is that iteration. So why did it not go well? Yeah. Why? How? What do we do to make it better the next time round? Let's put out another prototype and test it yeah. again. Oh, that didn't work well. Why? Um. And so to me, the magic, the beauty in in custom experience is really just understanding that you're dealing with human beings. Mm. Yes, you may have AI. Yes, you may have the hottest chatbot in the world, but you're talking to a human being. That's the most important thing for you to understand. It's 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 so interesting the way you explain that as well because not only not only is is design thinking important and being able to to govern and structure and and kind of streamline everything, but also being able to take those intangibles, those you know like uh, those how easy is it to use, how satisfied the users are, the emotional piece really begin to kind of you know put those into into boxes and, and add structure around it right and it doesn't exist outside of its context mm. you can have all of those things and still not understand the context and it will fail so like that's the like one of the things just to keep in mind like yeah. don't design something sitting somewhere and saying hey we're gonna throw it at sub-saharan africa they're gonna love it they're gonna <laughs> love it you haven't thought of their context. Yeah. Um, and once you do that, you'll see that this pays off. Yeah. I, I promise it pays off. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that. What would you say is the biggest, um, I guess the biggest benefit that service design and, and the, the, the pure understanding of it has brought into your day-to-day -day as a CXer? Emotional connection. Emotional connection. Like, and it could be with the most mundane thing. You could be trying to buy like toiletries. Mm -hmm. And exciting, yeah? yeah. But if someone evokes, so if you think of Dove, do you get a warm, fuzzy feeling? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe think there. <laughs> <laughs> but that is so. I think that Dove do really well from a brand perspective, right? To evoke that emotion. Mm. But it's deodorant. Yeah. You know. And so for for us to even think that way about it and think that dove is 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 different to the rest of the other brands it's because they've thought through the mm. human aspect it's because they've thought about women in different shapes and sizes they've think thought about you know people who just outside typically of of normal society societal norms yeah and that's the reason that we think about them as being different but it's because they're intentional in their approach so it's that connection that is the most critical thing mm. and the Con the consistency thereof is the key because someone could make you feel really warm and fuzzy for five minutes and then yeah. you'll forget about it yeah but if if that happens iteratively it builds mm. a little bank your balance increases and increases and increases <laughs> and like then when something bank. bad happens <laughs> exactly something bad happens you minus five cents yeah. from that yeah. feeling you know the impact is minimal when you've got a lot to work off I love that. Yeah. I love that Dev example as well, because not only is a company like Dev able to, um, you know, make you feel a certain way, but then at some point, once you feel that way, you're going to think of a brand as well to that actually brought you that feeling, which in that, in that example is, is Dev, right? Um, yeah. Adi, I want to touch on awards and the importance of awards in customer experience. So for those, for those in the audience that don't know, um, Addy has been a judge and a panelist across things like CX Magazine, International CX Awards. I could go on and on. <laughs> <Don't>. <laughs> but, uh, 
but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really curious to, to hear from you um, in terms of what role you see awards playing um, within CX and, and the importance of them to the community. Look, I think the evolution of the awards is also a, a great discussion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, what I think it brought when CX was like this, like a little, little, tiny, little baby. Yeah. What it did was it allowed for us as practitioners, as professionals, to find other people like us. Mm -hmm. So there was a sense of community that came with, you know, just having the conversation first off. Yep. Then there is the, the ability for you to showcase best practice, mm. right? And so because a lot of it's like, it's really challenging to be a CX professional. I don't like, it's challenging, not, be, yep. not because you don't have the stuff to mm -hmm. make it work, but you're essentially the human in the room trying to talk to numbers and trying to talk to I don't know intentions love... or you, do you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, I, I love how you explain that. Yeah, that's a very good way to put it. Yeah. yeah, and so you're constantly faced with like you know trying to share um, or speak to the important aspects that will make or change mm. um, the the focus for these individuals in the room or, or business yep. units or whatever the case is. But you're constantly having to think what makes sense for them, what matters to them, and how do I use this now to make sure that we are able to deliver the mm -hmm. best possible experience for our user base. Yep. Now, I think with the the awards the the sense of community was one thing that really really stood out to me hmm. another thing was the ability to raise your profile <laughs> about yeah. what you do you know often we're the underdogs in a big corporation you're there you're hustling right. trying to get your team together everyone is like really like passionate about customers and you walk into a boardroom and everyone has a straight face yeah. with no emotion That's or actually... expression that's actually such an interesting point you make as well, because um, how do you see, I guess, how do you see CX awards being perceived by other professions as well? Because all of a sudden that conversation starts, right? Correct. Which is why I was saying the evolution of the awards, right? Mm. Because, because when, when you are um, entering into a competition of sorts, already yep. you having to showcase what it is that you've done. Mm. And then when you put the random sense or the dollars and cents to it, that then shows your counterpart stakeholders or or key decision makers hey this is what i've done for the business mm. in a forum outside of your performance reviews mm. of your yep. you know just typical monthly reports or whatever the case is you have a, an opportunity you have a platform to share of what you've done and it raises the profile for you as an as a professional or as a team as mm -hmm. well as for the business to be seen as a customer-centered business yeah so i believe that there's great benefit in in awards um for that. many other reasons too but <laughs> yeah that's mainly it i love that one one question i had from for yadi is uh when it comes to actually selecting and qualifying uh some of the cxers out there i think one of the things that I'm curious to, to know about is uh, what are some of the most important things that you actually look for in CX yeah. stars? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> right, this is having to be candid, so... <laughs> right? This is me. Like, I'm True. just going to say, True. I'm going to call it like I see it. Right. Go for it. So, so, so to me, what, what, what matters most is your unique voice. Yeah. 
your unique voice in 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 your CX practices. It's very easy to generate or regurgitate what you've seen around metrics, mm -hmm. around voice of the customer, around CSAT, around surveys. All of that is great. But show me your lens. Show yeah. me your take. Show me why you think that your approach worked well. Um, and I need to see that uniqueness. It may not be brand new to the industry or mm -hmm. brand new to the people on the panel, but your take on it is something that's really important. So finding your own voice in how you practice CX is critically important. Please don't just regurgitate what you read. Don't regurgitate the report, the endless reports about metrics. Know yeah. why you're testing, know why you're measuring, know why you have implemented voice of the customer. Mm -hmm. Understand the why and then show us the how and then show us the results and also show us your failures. Gosh, please show uh, it. That's so important. That's actually so key. Yeah, show us so that we see how you failed and we see how you picked things up, mm -hmm. you know? Um, yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's a little bit of what I look for is, yeah. is, is really yeah. just uniqueness. Your voice yeah. is yeah. important. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, yeah. So I think with that, we can jump into the quick fire five question round um, before we wrap things up. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll give you five questions. Answer as quickly or as long as uh, as, as you want. <laughs> so okay. first, first things first. Um, worst example of CX outside of your industry? I hate it when you ask me these questions. Um, <laughs> this is like a journalist trying to trying to frame a politician. <laughs> So tell me, who was it? What's the name? <laughs> no, I mean, you don't have to be specific. <laughs> you don't have to be specific in terms of company. Um, you can pick an industry, maybe, you know, whatever comes to mind. I think that retail has some really, really great examples of customer experience, and they've got really bad examples of customer experience. Mm -hmm. I will call out my champion so far. My champion so far is ASOS. They have expanded beyond just the UK and they've been taking over the world um, and doing so in, in delivering consistently. Mm -hmm. Like just the consistency has been impressive. So, so that's your favorite yeah. example. It's, yes, it's, I it's don't so, want it's to so call out someone who's doing it badly. It's, <laughs> it's so funny because that was actually going to be my second question. So first one is worse, second is favorite. But you answered the second one. So now we're back to the first. <laughs> Look, don't don't shoot me. But one example that I do think in retail that don't do customer experience well, mm -hmm. and I'm a I'm I use their products all the time, so please don't judge me, is is Mac, is mm -hmm. is <laughs> Estee Lauder. They don't do a very good job mm -hmm. of thinking through the experience. They don't do a very good job of making you feel valued as a customer. And and, and I don't say this as an individual customer, I say this as um, okay, like I, I've seen yeah, yeah. what what their view is on on maybe customer um, experience, and I think their target market is makeup artists, and that's great. Mm -hmm. But there are other people who purchase your products, so acknowledge them. Just saying. Um, <laughs> yeah. So now I've called out someone. Gosh, now you got it. I love that. It's 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 funny that you you mentioned that it's not only you. Um, that thinks that way, but there's also other people around you and other yeah. people, friends, family, and that kind of you know goes into the the concept of advocacy and the opposite yeah. of it. 
but that's a yeah. that's a topic for for a different day for a different episode. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Question three: What's the Got one it. book you would recommend to the audience, and why? It doesn't have to be CX related. Sorry for the madness. The Grid. Okay. Yes. Oh, you can't see it. Sorry, it's The Grid by Matt Watkinson. If you know nothing about CX or you're just an entrepreneur trying to set up your business, read this book. Like I literally, it's open at my desk. I refer to it when I'm trying to explain what customer experience is or how it speaks to the um, bottom line, like one of my go-to book. Uh, what's your favorite CX tool out there? Ooh, I'll tell you the honest truth. I used to have a favorite. I no longer do. Your ex? <laughs> oh, my ex favorite. <laughs> oh, gosh, what are they called? Oh, yes, I know what they're called. I still love them. I just can't use their systems very well anymore. Um, it's called Qualtrics. I love this stuff. I used to love it so much, but it just isn't practical in many respects because it's so vanilla. And yes, you can customize it. You can do many things with it, um, but you're continuously paying to add more. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And so right. um, I used to love them. <laughs> that, 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 that reminds me of a song by Common, right? I used to love it. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> all right. That's all you're getting. And last one, <laughs> last one. What's the best piece of business advice you've ever received? stand up for what you believe in like even it doesn't matter how hard it gets mm. stick your heels in and fight like and that was from a dude in financial services who was telling me something very inappropriate and and then i backed down when i was very young he's like don't back down and i was like you're right i shouldn't yeah and so i will continue to stick my heels in when it comes to fighting for what's right for customers just love that. will be the way things go love that yeah. you, you even threw in a little story in there too i love that <laughs> all right eddie Good um, so i think with that we can uh, we can wrap wrap up uh, the episode any any takeaway um thoughts for our audience if you believe that you're the voice of reason in your business in your team in your company speak up and don't get tired of it. Be relentless in your pursuit for great customer experiences. There you go. Better articulated. I, I, I love that. If we, if we ever make a, make a movie about CXL, that's going to be in the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> I made it. There you go. All right, Eddie. Uh, thanks so much for joining the show. Uh, it was a real, real pleasure to have you. And to everyone else, if you enjoy this episode, please follow us on uh, LinkedIn at CXL's podcast for regular weekly content and episodes. Till next time. Thank you for having me.